Part Five of the Sixty Four Square Madhouse by Fritz Leiber. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Five. Krakatower had lost two pawns when the first time control point arrived and was intending to resign on his thirty-first move when the machine broke down. Three of its pieces moved on the electric board at once. Then the board went dark, and all the lights on the console went out except five, which started winking like angry red eyes. The gray-smocked men around Simon Great sprang silently into action, filing around back of the console. It was the first work anyone had seen them do except move screens around and fetch each other coffee. Vanderhoff hovered anxiously. Some flash-bulbs went off. Vanderhoff shook his fist at the photographers. Simon Great did nothing. The machine's clock ticked on. Doc watched for a while and then fell asleep. When Vanderhoff jogged him awake, the machine had just made its next move, but the repair job had taken fifty minutes. As a result, the machine had to make fifteen moves in ten minutes. At forty seconds a move it played like a dub whose general lack of skill was complicated by a touch of insanity. On his forty-third move Doc shrugged his shoulders apologetically and announced mate in four. There were more flashes. Vanderhoff shook his fist again. The machine flashed. You played brilliantly. Congratulations. Afterwards Doc said sourly to Sandra. And that was one big lie. A child could have beat the machine with that time advantage. <laughs> oh, what an ironic glory the gods reserved for Krakatower's dotage, to vanquish a broken-down computer. Only one good thing about it, that it didn't happen while it was playing one of the Russians, or someone would surely have whispered sabotage. And that is something of which they do not accuse dirty old Krakatower, because they are sure he has not got the brains even to think to sprinkle a little magnetic oxide powder in the machine's memory box. Bah! Just the same. He seemed considerably more cheerful. Sandra said guilelessly, Winning a game means nothing to you chess players, does it, unless you really do it by your own brilliancy. Doc looked solemn for a moment, then he started to chuckle. <laughs> you are getting altogether too smart, Miss Sandra Lee Grayling, he said. Yes, yes, a chess player is happy to win in any barely legitimate way he can, by an earthquake if necessary, or his opponent sickening before he does from the bubonic plague. So, I confess it to you, I was very happy to chalk up my utterly undeserved win over the luckless machine. Which, incidentally, makes it anybody's tournament again, doesn't it, Doc? Not exactly. Doc gave a wry little headshake. We can't expect another fluke. After all, the machine has functioned perfectly seven games out of eight, and you can bet the WBM men will be checking it all night, especially since it has no adjourned games to work on. Tomorrow it will play Willie Angler, but judging from the way it beat Vatbidnik and Jal, it should have a definite edge on Willie. If it beats him, then only Vatbidnik has a chance for a tie, and to do that he must defeat Lismov, which will be most difficult. Well, Sandra said, 
Don't you think that Lismoff might just kind of let himself be beaten to make sure a Russian gets first place, or at least ties for it? Doc shook his head emphatically. There are many things a man, even a chess master, will do to serve his state. But party loyalty doesn't go that deep. Look, here is the standing of the players after eight rounds. He handed Sandra a penciled list. One round to go. Player, machine, wins five and a half, losses two and a half. What Bidnick? Wins five and a half, losses two and a half. Angler wins five, losses three. Jowl wins four and a half, losses three and a half. Lismoff wins four and a half, losses three and a half. Sarek wins four and a half, losses three and a half. Sharevsky wins four, losses four. Jandorf wins two and a half, losses five and a half. Grabo wins two, losses six. Parakatower wins two, losses six. Last round pairings. Machine versus Angler. Fotbennik versus Lysmoff. Jal versus Sarek. Sharevsky versus Krakatower. Jandoff versus Grabo. After studying the list for a while, Sandra said, Hey, even Angler could come out first, couldn't he, if he beat the machine and Vodbidnik lost to Lysmoff? Could, could, yes. But I'm afraid that's hoping for too much, barring another breakdown. To tell the truth, dear, the machine is simply too good for all of us. If it were only a little faster, and these technological improvements always come, it would outclass us completely. We are at that fleeting moment of balance when genius is almost good enough to equal mechanism. It makes me feel sad, but proud, too, in a morbid fashion, to think that I am in at the death of Grandmaster Chess. Oh, I suppose the game will always be played, but it won't ever be quite the same. He blew out a breath and shrugged his shoulders. As for Willie, he's a good one, and he'll give the machine a long, hard fight. You can depend on it. He might conceivably even draw. He touched Sandra's arm. Cheer up, my dear, he said. You should remind yourself that a victory for the machine is still a victory for the USA. Doc's prediction about a long, hard fight was decidedly not fulfilled. Having white, the machine opened pawn to King Four, and Angler went into the Sicilian defense. For the first twelve moves on each side, both adversaries pushed their pieces and tapped their clocks at such lightning speed, Vanderhoff feeding in Angler's moves swiftly, that up in the stands Bill and Judy were still flipping pages madly in their hunt for the right column in MCO. The machine made its thirteenth move, still at blitz tempo. Bishop takes pawn, check, and mate in three. Willie announced very loudly, made the move, banged his clock, and sat back. There was a collective gasp and gabble from the stands. Dave squeezed Sandra's arm hard. Then, for once forgetting that he was Dr. Caution, he demanded loudly of Bill and Judy, "'Have you two idiots found that column yet?' The machine's thirteenth move is a boner. Pinning down the reference with a fingernail, Judy cried, Yes, here it is on page 161 in footnote E to B. Dave, that thirteenth move for white is in the book. 
But Black replies, Knight to Queen, too, not Bishop takes pawn, check. And three moves later the book gives White a plus value. What the heck? It can't be, Bill asserted. But it is. Check for yourself. That boner is in the book. Shut up, everybody, Dave ordered, clapping his hands to his face. When he dropped them a moment later his eyes gleamed. I got it now. Angler figured they were using the latest edition of MCO to program the machine on openings. He found an editorial error, and then he deliberately played the machine into that variation. Dave practically shouted his last words, but that attracted no attention, as at that moment the whole hall was the noisiest it had been throughout the tournament. It simmered down somewhat as the machine flashed a move. Angler replied instantly. The machine replied almost as soon as Angler's move was fed into it. Angler moved again, his move was fed into the machine, and the machine flashed. I am checkmated. Congratulations. Next morning Sandra heard Dave's guess confirmed by both Angler and Great. Doc had spotted them having coffee and a malt together, and he and Sandra joined them. Doc was jubilant, having just drawn his adjourned game with Sharevsky, which meant since Jandorf had beaten Grabo, that he was in undisputed possession of ninth place. They were all waiting for the finish of the Votbidnik Lismov game, which would decide the final standings of the leaders. Willie Angler was complacent, and Simon Great was serene and at last a little more talkative. You know, Willie, the psychologist said, I was afraid that one of you boys would figure out something like that. That was the chief reason I didn't have the machine use the programmed openings until Lismov's win forced me to. I couldn't check every opening line in MCO and the archives and Shekmati. There wasn't time. As it was, we had a dozen typists and proofreaders busy for weeks preparing that part of the programming and making sure it was accurate as far as following the books went. Tell the truth now, Willie. How many friends did you have hunting for flaws in the latest edition of MCO? Willie grinned. You're unlucky thirteenth. Well, that's my secret, though I've always said that anyone joining the Willie Angler fan club ought to expect to have to pay some day for the privilege. They're sharp, those little guys, and I worked their tails off. Simon Great laughed and said to Sandra, Your young friend Dave was pretty sharp himself to deduce what had happened so quickly. Willie, you ought to have him in the Bleecker Street Irregulars. Sandra said, I get the impression he's planning to start a club of his own. Angler snorted. <laughs> That's the trouble with my little guys. They're all waiting to topple me. Simon Great said, Well, so long as Willie is passing up Dave, I want to talk to him. It takes real courage in a youngster to question authority. How should he get in touch with you? Sandra asked. While Great told her, Willie studied them frowningly. Sy, are you planning to stick to this chess programming racket? he demanded. Simon Great did not answer the question. You try telling me something, Willie, he said. Have you been approached the last couple of days by IBM? You mean asking me to take over your job? I said IBM, Willie. Oh, Willie's grin became a tight one. I'm not talking. 
There was a flurry of sound and movement around the playing tables. Willie sprang up. Leesmoff's agreed to a draw, he informed him a moment later. The gangster. Gangster, because he put you in equal first place with Vat Binnick? Both of you ahead of the machine? Great inquired gently. Ah, he could have beat Benny, given me soul first. A Russian gangster. Doc shook a finger. Lee Smoff could also have lost to Vodbidnik, Willie, putting you in second place. Don't think evil thoughts. So long, pals. As Angler clattered down the stairs, Simon Great signed the waiter for more coffee, lit a fresh cigarette, took a deep drag, and leaned back. You know, he said, it's a great relief not to have to impersonate the hyper-confident programmer for a while. Being a psychologist has spoiled me for that sort of thing. I'm not as good as I once was at beating people over the head with my ego. You didn't do too badly, Doc said. Thanks. Actually, WBM is very much pleased with the machine's performance. The machine's flaws made it seem more real and more newsworthy, especially how it functioned when the going got tough. Those repairs the boys made under time pressure in your game, Civili, will help sell WBM computers or I miss my guess. In fact, nobody could have watched the tournament for long without realizing there were nine smart, rugged men out there ready to kill that computer if they could. The machine passed a real test. And then the whole deal dramatizes what computers are and what they can and can't do. And not just at the popular level. The WBM research boys are learning a lot about computer and programming theory by studying how the machine and its programmers behave under tournament stress. It's a kind of test unlike that provided by any other computer work. Just this morning, for instance, one of our big mathematicians told me that he is beginning to think that the theory of games does apply to chess, because you can bluff and counter-bluff with your programming, and I'm learning about human psychology. Doc chuckled. <laughs> Such as that even human thinking is just a matter of how you program your own mind, that we're all like the machine to that extent? That's one of the big points, Civilli, yes. Doc smiled at Sandra. You wrote a nice little news story, dear, about how man conquered the machine by a palpitating nose and won a victory for international amity. Now the story starts to go deeper. A lot of things go deeper, Sandra replied, looking at him evenly. Much deeper than even you ever expected the start. The big electric scoreboard lit up. Final standing. Player, angler, wins six, losses three. But Binnick wins six, losses three. Jal wins five and a half, losses three and a half. Machine wins five and a half, losses three and a half. Leesmoff wins five, losses four. Serek wins four and a half, losses four and a half. Sharevsky wins four and a half, losses four and a half. Jandorf wins three and a half, losses five and a half. Krakatar wins two and a half, losses six and a half. Rabo wins two, losses seven. It was a good tournament, Doc said, and the machine has proven itself a grandmaster. It must make you feel good, Simon, after being out of tournament chess for twenty years. The psychologist nodded. 
"'Will you go back to psychology now?' Sandra asked him. Simon Great smiled. "'I can answer that question honestly, Miss Grayling, because the news is due for release. No. WBM is pressing for entry of the machine in the Interzonal Candidates Tournament. They want to crack at the world's championship.' Doc raised his eyebrows. "'That's news indeed. But look, Simon, with the knowledge you've gained in this tournament, won't you be able to make the machine almost a sure winner in every game?' "'I don't know. Players like Angler and Leesmoff may find some more flaws in the functioning and dream up some new stratagems. Besides, there's another solution to the problems raised by having a single computer entered in a Grandmaster tournament.' Doc sat up straight. You mean having more programmer computer teams than just one? Exactly. The Russians are bound to give their best players computers, considering the prestige the game has in Russia. And I wasn't asking Willie that question about IBM just on a hunch. Chess tournaments are a wonderful way to test rival computers and show them off to the public, just like cross-country racers were for the early automobiles. The future Grandmaster will inevitably be a programmer-computer team, a man-machine symbiotic partnership probably with more freedom each way than I was allowed in this tournament, I mean the man taking over the play in some positions, the machine in others. You're making my head swim, Sandra said. Mine is in the same storm-tossed ocean, Doc assured her. Simon, that will be very fine for the Master who can get themselves computers either from their governments or from hiring out to big firms. Or in other ways. Jandorf, I am sure, will be able to interest some Argentinian millionaire in a computer for him, while I, oh, I am too old. Still, when I start to think about it. But what about the Bella Grabos? Incidentally, did you know that Grabo is contesting Jandorf's win? Claims Jandorf discussed the position with Serik. I think they exchanged about two words. Simon shrugged. The Bellagrabos will have to continue to fight their own battles, if necessary, satisfying themselves with the lesser tournaments. Believe me, Savilli, from now on, Grand Master Chess without one or more computers entered will lack sauce. Dr. Krakatower shook his head and said, Thinking gets more expensive every year. From the floor came the harsh voice of Igor Jandorf and the shrill one of Bellagrabo raised in anger. Three words came through clearly. I challenge you! Sandra said, Well, there's something you can't build into a machine, ego. Oh, I don't know about that, said Simon Great. End of Part 5 End of The Sixty-Four Square Madhouse by Fritz Leiber